Welcome to Oregon Rooted. I'm Higher Peaks. And this is Lady Sativa. You're listening to The Dirt Show. Where we bring you Oregon's cannabis culture. show i'm higher peaks and this is lady sativa all right welcome welcome happy holidays i think this is one of i think maybe the last or second to the last show before the holidays so i just want to say happy holidays oh it's 15th right yeah 10 days so uh (laughs) but it's that time of year gotta get my mind in track first find out what day of the week it is (laughs) (laughs) we're here we're here everybody have a good holiday though and enjoy it be safe Smoke mm-hmm. a lot of weed, spend a lot of time with your family. Yep. If you're traveling, like I have heard a lot of people are doing, going to Hawaii, you know, going on cruises, whatever, Disneyland, uh, have fun, travel safe. And yeah. um, take cartridges. Christmas is up. <laughs> <laughs> Nonetheless, be safe. So we have you back for New Year's. 2020 is going to be huge for us. We're excited. We're going to be kicking off basically New Year's, our New Year's special podcast episode. Uh, is going to feature Benson Arbor. Hell yeah. So we're excited about that. Look for that. Now, Benson Arbor, if you don't know, for the people out there in the world, Benson Arbor is used to be Benson Elvis. Uh, they are one of our premium, premier, premium uh, outdoor. Sun grown. Uh, sun grown. Thank you. Sun grown farms in, in the state. And they yeah. really do. They bring awesome genetics and they bring awesome flour. And awesome people awesome people too. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a small crew out there. So, and they're running a lot of space. They are. It they is kick a, ass. Yeah, they do kick ass. They're, they're awesome people. They're down to earth. And every product that they put out, I always look for, I mean, it's just, you bring home some really good stuff, mm-hmm. whether it's, you know, a concentrate that came from their flower or the flower itself. Yep. And yep. it's hard to do that outdoors. You know, you really have to have a tight game on that. Yeah, you do. So look for that new year's. All right. I uh, just want to catch everybody up. You know, it's been a week, uh, you know, the news really, it's playing out pretty static, you know, no one's dying or anything of vapes. So obviously, <laughs> you know, people started getting, you know, qu- the little babies got filtered. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, I'm just joking. Now let's just do the top things right now. Uh, the Thai prime minister publicly used medical marijuana oil at an event. They're trying to promote medical cannabis going legal there and using it. It was funny. I saw a picture on that where he was actually standing with this mascot named Dr. Ganja and they were standing in like a group, a classroom of kids. All the kids had like we uh, leaf little like cutouts. Cannabis you know? leaf. Yeah, it's yeah. crazy. Anyway, <laughs> wow. Crazy stuff. But it is Thailand. So that's pretty cool. Surprising Thailand hasn't had legal cannabis for years. Right. They do some crazy shit there. Uh, And then this is interesting. Senator Mike Rounds posted a picture on Facebook of his dad harvesting hemp plants about 80 years ago. And some local political observers believe the move is a dig at anti-cannabis South Dakota. You bad state. Uh, But they did veto hemp legislation this year. So they's not having it. Anyway, (laughs) I find it funny that he posts a picture of his dad doing it. And yet. Well, yeah, that's the dig, right? 
I mean, come on. He's against it? Think of it your roots, people. Maybe. Cons- I don't know. But, uh, you know, I, I know that South Dakota and Nebraska, they're, they're tough places. Uh, I, we, I, you know, we have every state listening to us except for Nebraska. We'll get you. Thanks, guys. <laughs> we see how it is. Anyway. I find this one fascinating. A study found that bees are attracted to hemp. Yes. Especially tall plants, uh, concluding that plant height are strongly correlated with bee species, richness and abundance for hemp plots with taller varieties, attracting a broader diversity of bee species. Which is good news. Unfortunately, all these people around here do not grow, quote unquote, hemp. I mean, people use hemp loosely. Yes. And I think they're referring to cannabis that has very low THC. So a lot of the stuff that's grown in the States now uh, is all what they, they grow it for oil and they grow it for flour, uh, you know, no THC flour. Basically, it's a step down from cannabis. Well, it is cannabis. Uh, it's it, just, well, it is cannabis, but it's a step down from THC. It's the, it's the near beer for cannabis. It's the near beer for cannabis. It's <clears throat> almost there. People get that confused with hemp. Hemp, industrial, which is industrial hemp and industrial hemp is the tall 10, 11 foot plants that have no side branching and they use it for textiles. Yes. Such as ropes and papers and wood. Right. And unfortunately, that's not what's out there. When you talk about hemp, people are growing it for other reasons, not for textile and shoes, which is I follow that group. I want to buy a pair of these shoes. This next shoes. Yes. They're all hemp. Even the soles are made out of hemp. Yeah. The downside that apparently is the, um, the plants, the cannabis that's grown, low THC cannabis that's grown that people call hemp. It doesn't attract, I mean, it does attract bees, but not like this. No, not like that. You know, they have to grow side crops of say sunflowers and stuff, plots of that to try to keep the bees around. Cause it's essentially monocropping and it can be damaging if you're not. Which echo electuary, they, uh, gave out the, um, the seeds. Right. Yeah. So you could put them, you know, they gave out the seeds to give to, I don't know if it was uh, to pass out to customers or not, um, but you can pass them out to customers and give them and it's supposed to attract bees and hummingbirds. Right. Yeah. So beneficial. Yeah. And you can sprinkle it wherever because it is honestly, it's, it's wildflowers. Right. Absolutely going to spread that out. I mean, you know, bees in the city, especially, we just don't see them much. So when I see a bee or two, it's really nice. Yeah. Uh, A lot of, (laughs) I think I saw... I think I paid more attention to the bees in my house this year, <laughs> helping them out of my house to save them. seems like we had more inside than outside for sure. <laughs> uh, oh, man. So, you know, federal level with the news right now, not too much going on. The mm-hmm. National Archives was talking about how, you know, reminiscing over musician Willie Nelson. We talked about him last time, but, yeah. you know, the time that he had smoked marijuana on the roof of the White House. That's a classic story. Oh, yeah. I mean, for the... <laughs> for the uh, folks out there. Uh, it was back with Jimmy Carter, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was nine nine thirteen of 1980. So, uh, but, you know, what a great thing uh, that, I mean, as a goal for a pothead, is, it, is that not at the top? Like, what do you call it? The bucket list? Right. Anyway, it's funny. Not that anymore. Ha- What's that? I don't think anymore. I, I, it's not a cool place to hang out. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm, right. I'm, I'm cool. I'm cool. <laughs> Maybe back then it was cool, but I, I'm like, no. <laughs> Bernie Sanders uh, tweeted uh, the other day, when young people say they want to go to college without taking on mountains of debt, we must listen. When young people say they want to end the criminalization of marijuana, we must listen. When young people say they want a planet that is healthy and habitable, we must listen. He's all about that stuff. Um, but I don't, you know, will anybody want him this time around? 
I'm uh, listed as an independent, so I can't even vote for anybody. You can write that <laughs> shit in. <laughs> we have it on the side of the fridge that we're voting for Bernie. <laughs> oh, and speaking of Nebraska, so Governor Pete Ricketts said marijuana is a dangerous drug and that legalization will cause problems. Come on, Pete, man. Where are you at, brother? Like, Not really, at the top of that list. Really? You got to be a governor how now? It wasn't because you have progressive views on things. That's for sure. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know where you're at with your um, closed mindedness, but recommend you get on board because you're going to be left behind, son. Um, let's see. New York's lieutenant governor said the administration will push hard to legalize cannabis in 2020. She also tweeted recreational marijuana should be legalized, regulated and taxed in New York. This is about jobs and boosting our economy. They're going to make that push. Mm-hmm. So that's awesome. They see, they see that it's working in a lot of other states. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm going to read the one for California. Um, the California Developmental and Reproductive Toxicant Identification Committee, that is a mouthful, uh, unanimously <laughs> voted to declare THC a risk to pregnant women and developing fetuses, a move that will require warning labels on cannabis products. Oh, you mean like on the side of cigarettes that women don't listen to or the side <laughs> of alcohol? Yeah. But yeah. cannabis? Well, there, I beg to differ seeing as two out of my three. Well, again, this is going back to speculation and propaganda. They don't have anything to back any of that. Let me remind people that if the government, you know, if you're reading something that says the government has a bunch of studies on cannabis. Uh, that's a lie. That's a lie. Now, let me explain that. It's a schedule one drug. It's which federally means illegal. It's illegal to, <laughs> to study that. And they have told us that lots of times, <laughs> actually. So, New Zealand's coming aboard. Uh, they're recommending that policymakers strengthen regulation of alcohol, legalize and regulate personal use of cannabis, and consider that for all drugs. Treating personal drug use as a health issue with more funding towards prevention, education, and treatment, which is exactly what we're doing. Glad yeah. you're bored, guys. Yeah. A Mexican senator filed a medical cannabis bill. Just one. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's afraid he's going to get killed by the, a the cartels. <laughs> I, I'd be a little cautious down there, too. I like how it's only one Mexican senator. <laughs> and I, I like how they didn't name him. <laughs> Just one. And it's a cannabis bill. He, he's and the, it's uh, medical. What do you call that? He's the uh, whistleblower. You notice it is not <laughs> recreational. It is medical. That's funny. It's not push up Mexico. We need that illegal shit coming in. <laughs> a study, oh. a study found that mice voluntarily consume both cannabinoids and opioids via gelatin and that cannabinoids provide long term relief of chronic pain states. Holy shit. Really? It a round of applause right then. <laughs> That's a good study. Uh, remember, that's on cannabinoids, though, and opioids. So, A review revealed the therapeutic potential of LSD to reduce psychiatric symptomology, mainly in alcoholism, and found that the vast majority of authors described significant and positive short-term changes in patients. This is pretty cool, too. And in this study, actually, the LSD was used in the treatment of anxiety, depression, psychosomatic diseases, and addiction. It says, though, it wasn't, you know, performed under contemporary standards. Oh, this was from, it was back in the 50s and 70s. 50s to the 70s, I see. So bottom line, these were studies done in the 50s to the 70s, and it's something they're going to have to relook at because, you know, the, the control situation of the studies and such was not quite what it is today. Yeah. So. <laughs> AASA, the School Superintendents Association, published a debate about whether it would be okay for a school administrator to accept a gift of marijuana from appreciative parents. <laughs> yes, I think that would be okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. 
I uh, like that one. That's I, a good I'm one. sure, honestly, <laughs> if you got down to it, that uh, school administrators would probably likely take that if they could. <laughs> I'm sure because we do Damn have kids. a student and teacher discount for a reason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's you know lots of good stuff there. Yeah, that was that was we, a good one. We zipped through that pretty quick. So <laughs> on this episode, I was really excited. We got to sit down with Bud Tender, Gobby from Bud Tender Society, and this guy's legit, man. You know, he's out there in the scene. He really is truly cannabis culture. I mean, brings a lot of uh, content from Oregon, mm-hmm. but you know, he's not limited to that. He brings out content to the people, the smaller guys out there that have good photos. And good content and want a shout out. Yeah. So he's, he's all about the, the guys, oh, yeah. these people in the culture. So. Oh, yeah. And it was good sitting down with him. You know, we spend a lot of time with him out there when we're doing events and, and we're, you know, going to things and smoke sessions and all this industry stuff. And we always seen and we're always kicking it. But then you sit down and he's just a really, really smart guy. I oh, mean, yeah. he knows his stuff. He's in industry, both on the social media side and actually in, you know, in it doing uh, extracts and stuff. So I think my favorite part about how we got this interview would have to be the sesh. <laughs> when I was talking it, to him. <laughs> when he was recording you. Yeah. And he realized that he knew you two different ways and did not put the two and two together until that very moment. Yeah. Well, I don't think we put out a lot of pictures of us. So people we don't, don't know. Well, and you know? it's like, we we know each other on separate levels. We know right. each other as, you know, Potheads. Craig and Sarah. <laughs> and, you know, and, and then we know him also as, um, as Oregon rooted uh, and Oregon rooted. Yeah. Yeah. And so, but he didn't put the two and two together until he saw the face and he saw us together and he's just like, yeah, you can tag me on Oregon rooted. Yeah, absolutely. And, and he, he was just, Oh, okay. And then that was the interview the next week. Right. Well, and honestly, <laughs> honestly, we should have sat down with him a long time ago. Yes. And it's not that we didn't want to, it's just, uh, how things line up, but yeah. it was something that was eventually going to happen. And we're glad it did, especially, you know, timing's everything. So having Hell this yeah. studio for him to sit down in was, was perfect. You know, couldn't ask for more. So with that said, just want to say thank you and appreciate you coming in. You're welcome in any time. We had a blast. So Oregon love. Stay rooted. All right, Gabby with yeah, Bud yeah. Tender Society. Welcome to the show, brother. I'm glad you're here. Yeah, yeah. appreciate being here. You know, really Oregon cannabis culture. I, I can't think of anything much more than Bud Tender Society, man. You've been rocking it here for a few years, right? Uh, since 2015, yeah. Yeah. So can you tell us about yourself kind of where you came from, how you got here, what got you into cannabis? Um, I guess I've been interested in cannabis since I was probably, you know, a little kid, even you could say 10 to 12, it's still a kid. <laughs> right. Um, I lived in Humboldt, so it was definitely around uh, up in the woods and here and there and everybody grew a little bit of weed. So you find a way to get it in your hands more or less. Sure. Um, and then moved to like being 18 when I started actually working on farms and uh, in the like drying facilities and learning the process of more than just smoking it like a little stoner. You're actually like, oh, this is how you grow it. Oh, yeah. Okay, this is how you cut it down. Oh, this is how you cure it. This is how you make hash. And then from there, it really kind of just grew into being able to, you know, learn the techniques behind it because it's not just growing. Okay, if I do this when I grow, this happens. Sure. You know, and uh, uh, yeah, so that's pretty much how it started. And then eventually, I'd say mid teens, I was really big into social media. Um, not putting any weed on there. Obviously, uh, did a lot in hip hop, art, uh, food, all, all the way up to the sales through social media. Yeah. And then once I moved here and the legalization, well, pre-legalization, I would say with medical, people started posting on Instagram. 
And I saw that and I was like, oh, so you post weed on Instagram? I love weed and then I love social media. So let's figure out how to put it together. And that's kind of how the Butt Tender Society kind of started. And it was able to go from just like a idea to a real thing. Now, I mean, at this point, you'd been working and doing cannabis this whole time. So you're already set for it. I, yeah. I mean, as far as knowledge and all that. Uh, so why Bud Tender, though? Bud Tender Society. Um, so basically, the story of how that came to be was I had been working uh, on farms since I was 18. So at that point, I was probably 30, I'd say, no, 29, something like that. Yeah, so I got a, I got a job at a dispensary. The very first day, it was Green Valley Wellness in Talon, Oregon. And the first day, I set up all their social media. Got to go, and it was medical, so there's not that much to do in a dispensary, you know? Yeah. yeah. And I wasn't a bud tender yet, actually. I was still just learning, and I was the front desk person. Um, but I'm doing all this different stuff, and I thought of this kind of idea the first day. And then the second day, I'm like, you know, this is a really cool name. So I started asking people that came in. I was like, what do you think of the bud tender side? They're like, that's really cool. That's really dope. And so I was like, well, I'm going to, you know, I'm not a bud tender though. I'm like, I haven't been a bud tender. Like, <laughs> yeah. And then how do people like be attracted to this if they're not? So I was like, wait, we all tend to the bud. Mm. Like, hold on a sec. Right. We all technically tend to the bud from like popping a seed. You're tending to the bud from breaking down the weed. You're tending to it from seed to fire, you know, then it's gone. There's yeah. nothing left to tend to. But uh, yeah, so that was kind of the concept. I was like, I could do that. Then it's not so like only bud tenders. You know, and that was that was what kind of got me like inspired to keep going. I think if it was just just only bud tenders and in dispensaries, it wouldn't have been as like cool to me. But the concept is we all tend to the bud. So since we do that, we're all technically bud tenders in our own mind. Yeah. And it's really you've made that feeling, you know, for people, you've created it really well. I think people feel that way. You know, I, I've never seen it as just a bud tender thing. Right. It's really kind of like a full society of people. Exactly. And I mean, you're everywhere. I mean, every time we're out at an event, you're there, you're, you're always in the community and culture and you're always bringing out this fire content. You ever find it hard to find that content or is it just so plentiful in Oregon that, <laughs> um, well, it's definitely pretty plentiful, not just in Oregon, because I do reach outside of Oregon and that allows it to go from, you know, not just recreational or medical, but you know, nationwide or even international for people. I allow anybody to send it in. And that was kind of how the Bud Tender Society started being able to like be more than just another page that posts the hottest pics on Instagram. And that's what, there's a plenty of those that kind of just circulate the hottest, the hottest, the hottest. I was getting it from your average Joes. Right. Submit your pick, your garden pick, your little four rec plants, whatever it is, your little dab that you squished in your bathroom. You know, mm-hmm. but you took the picture. I gave you a shout out. And these people that have you know no followers and didn't think anybody was paying attention. Now someone's paying attention. And that's how I think I really got like rooted deep into deeper into it than just being a page that was kind of like repetitive and stealing and copying things. Try yeah. to try to stay authentic to like the real culture of, of people wanting to share. Absolutely. And it, I don't see anything redundant on there. I mean, I've, if anything, people are copying off your Yeah. Page. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. I mean, I get at least uh, one to three stolen face pages a week. Yeah. Yeah. Like literally Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. I either find them or people send me messages of like, hey, this isn't you, right? They're trying to sell me weed. I'm like, no, I don't sell weed on the internet, only to dispensaries. And uh, please report them. Thank you. Have a good day. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you've got quite the following. I mean, and you've been wiped out once, twice. I don't know, but 
You're once. doing what people can't even do a first time, and now you've had to repeat it. Right. Yeah, that was super annoying, um, having to just, do that, just to, because it was, when I started it, it was a little bit easier, I feel, because it was the beginning. It was the beginning. Bud Tender literally just became a word. So mm. having the page, the Bud Tender Society, I got that little extra push, I feel like, when they're launching Bud Tender and vape in the dictionary as a word, then it's like, okay, that's going to help push it. And now you have, when I started, what, maybe four medical states, now we're looking at 25. So, you know, now there's a lot more Bud Tenders, there's a lot more people using the language, and it kind of slowed down with the second one. I got up to 25,000 followers, and now we're at like 16 and a half, but that took probably twice as long. I mean, a little more work this time, a little more work. <laughs> and then I'm doing a lot more work, like actually in the streets, like working recreationally and doing more actual physical work than sure. just posting. So when you're doing that, you don't always have as much time to yeah. like do everything you want and, um, that route, but you're actually doing shit. <laughs> do you find, so you really haven't branded as a organ thing. It's just bud tender society. So do you have other people across the nation now as states are falling and stuff? Are they reaching out? Um, I've definitely had, I mean, since the beginning, I've had some pretty cool experiences of people like coming up to me. Uh, I think one of the coolest ones was a gentleman from Chicago, a young like college kid came from here to visit his mom. He came from Chicago, came to Oregon to visit his mom. And he specifically went to three dispensaries that were on my YouTube channel, ending with Green Valley where I was there. And he just came in that door, like with this big giant smile was like, you got you're like, just like I was his friend and he was super excited to see me. And it's kind of weird just cause I don't know you. And you're like, you want hugs and you want to take pictures together. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't, I'm just a regular dude. Like yeah. that's the way I look at it. I don't really like, even like the word like influencer when people, I'm an influencer. Like I'm not trying to influence shit. Like I'm an enthusiast, enthusiast. I'm there enthusiastic about cannabis. Yeah. That's what I do. And that's, you know, if, if it influences you, great. If it does that, awesome. Hopefully it's positive. But, you know, I don't, it, that, that was a cool experience for me just because it was so far. Yeah. Like you're talking, you know, I was actually born near Chicago, so that was super cool, but I didn't expect the reach to go that far. You know, I just right. was kind of doing it, you know, yeah, <laughs> yeah. having fun with it. So you were born over, you said near I was born Chicago? born in Skokie, Illinois. Okay. Yeah. Wow. That is back East. Yeah. Um, did you grow up any no, time or were you back here? No, I grew up in, uh, between Humboldt, California and Arizona. Right. Okay. And then a great place though. Yeah. 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 No good places. All, all have weed. Some is better than others. Arizona weed's not as good as Oregon weed, but they all got lots of weed. <laughs> uh, although this is a dated question at this point, what's your opinion on this rec movement? I mean, are you happy for it overall? Um, I still think, I think I am. I hear a lot of talk of, oh, I'm mad that yeah. there's this and oh, the oversaturation and blah, 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 blah. But I don't look at it like that. I mean, this is the opportunity. If you like cannabis, if you're enthusiastic about working with it, here's your opportunity. You figure out how to do it. You know, there's, sure. there's rules, just play by the rules. There's loopholes, play by the loophole. Like you just got to yeah. learn it. That's how we, it always has been in the culture. You know, there's a way to do it and that's, here it is, you know, now you could do it in, in your state if it is legal and pretty soon eventually interstate, you know, mm -hmm. then you gotta learn those rules, but it's yeah. all available, you know? Sure, sure. Uh, I, I, you know, coming from the black market, it was just a completely different thing. Very different. Uh, although it was pretty, pretty plentiful. It's definitely uh, plentiful. I think, I think my biggest, which may be my only opinion on it, but uh, I think a lot of people that were working in the black market side became relatively entitled when it came to the rec people working in the rec yeah. market. 
So, you know, I got 20 bucks an hour and 200 bucks a pound to trim and et cetera, et cetera. And now people have taxes and bills that go with this, so they can't pay as much. And it's not like they're like being dickheads. This is a real business. It's not a tax-free situation anymore that a lot of people were dealing with. So I think I see a lot of that going on and people wanting to move up in the industry super fast and they want to get those same prices and they want things to be like it was, but it's not. And you just got to figure out where you fit in, you know, and how you can make the kind of money you want to make. It just may not be doing trimming or working a bud tender job or whatever the case is. Right. There is definitely a lot of work uh, and you just have to try. I, I know that there's so much work that even during the trim days at the end of fall, uh, we got people coming in from out of state. Yeah, there's still, you know, there's a lot of work. Yeah, there's plenty of work <laughs> for everybody to be had. And there's still places that will pay a decent amount. You know, you just got to be good at what you do and put yourself out there. And pretty soon you'll, you'll have a decent job. But just don't hold that entitlement to expect that things are going to be what they were because it's a very different atmosphere at this point. It really is. And I think a lot of the big players have solidified themselves, you know, uh, yeah. farm wise or sure. extraction. I mean, a lot of these guys have either been here and are doing it well or yeah, not. I, yeah. I think some of the ones that aren't doing it so well are still doing pretty dang good in their own right though. Well, absolutely. <laughs> I'm concerned though that some of these people now, um, extractors are starting to take in some mold and stuff though. I mean, there's some gray areas there with that, that it's integrity, man. It's integrity. Know, right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's really, I mean, do you see that out there when you're out um, and about that there's some shady stuff going on? I mean, definitely, you know, Instagram kind of reveals it. Some people reveal it themselves. It's kind of funny. People will post a big butt <laughs> picture and you're like, wait, there's, is that, is that, is that, is that, that's a that's a big rotten cola in the middle of all. Why would yeah. you do that? Why would you? I've seen that a couple of times and I'm just scratching my head. Like I double, triple check a lot of my pictures to make sure, you know, everything's all good for everybody involved. And you yeah. see that and you're like, this is advertising <laughs> what you put to the world. And there's rot in there. So, yeah. you know, but with extractors, I mean, it is a difficult one because you're, you're kind of, you know, you can clean it up as they say you know there's signs in some states that have turned mold to gold that's just disgusting like i think it was washington or something like well that. we just had an article too in the local paper that uh there's an extractor that's turning mold into gold here in oregon yeah we won't have to use names on this episode but oh. uh yeah and I, I often wonder if that article was an advertisement for himself because it left his name and number oh and talking about blasting you know mold to gold so uh, who knows? But that's my concerns. Anyway, OLCC has been cracking down lately. Uh, it seems like now that there's been enough years behind them, they kind of see where those gray areas are. Sure, and, yeah. And now they're starting to look there. <laughs> Hopefully. I mean, it's kind of weird because they took the whole mold thing out of, like, weed testing. You know, mm -hmm. I had I was talking to someone the other day that uh, they didn't even know that. They, like, they didn't even realize that that wasn't required. It was right. just a moisture test. And they're like, mm -hmm. we're getting all, we're, we keep getting pounds into our dispensary. And then we look through some of them, there's mold and we got to return them. She's like, we just want good. <laughs> we just want some good motherfucking weed. Sure. Um, but yeah, I don't know why they did that. I, I, I definitely remember in medical days, like getting samples and it would push the threshold. I remember getting this beautiful nug of like, you know, per, some purple lavender indoor, really nice. And uh, my boss at the time was like, what do you think about this? I'm like, oh, it looks really good. And he was like, but here's the test results. And it was like 9,000 ppms of mold, like not failing because 10,000 was the limit. So wow. I'm like 9,000. I'm like, I, could, I should be able to find this in this bud. Right. Like that's nine parts out of the 10 parts of this bud yeah. basically is going to have some mold. So literally it was one crack and you could 
Oh, Ugh. oh, there it is. Yeah, oh. we're not gonna deal with that, Oof. you know. So, don't breathe. Yeah. So now the fact there is no mold testing, you got to wonder how many of that get into a shop, and then it's the integrity of that. The integrity. The integrity. <laughs> the integrity of the grower that knows that it's there, giving it to the shop. And then it's the integrity of the shop saying, oh, we got this moldy stuff that we can obviously like open a bud or look in and find some mold. Then they're going to still push it. And then it goes to the integrity of the bud tender not saying nothing. You know, like, hey, there's mold in this. I don't want to do this. I don't want to sell that. And a lot of people, it's a job, so they just do it. Do it. But the integrity needs to go through the whole you know, chain of people really to get to the point where the customer is really that safe, you know? Sure. And that's how it should be. Like when I hired people based when I worked in a dispensary, it's kind of what you want. I never wanted people to like lie to the customer. Like don't say it's your favorite weed if you haven't tried it. You know, don't, don't say things if you haven't worded it so that it's like, oh, my buddy tried it. He had great effects from it. He got the munchies. That's all truth. You give them the truth and nothing more. Mm-hmm. You know, you explained it wasn't you. And I just feel that's the way it should be. And it's not done at a lot of shops that way. I feel, you know, mm-hmm. you just, people are just trying to sell you shit. Yeah. And I'm oh, not, sure. I'm not that guy. Like, <laughs> no. Well, do you find there's a lot of bud tenders like that? I mean, when you're yeah. out and about, it seems like you, I don't know. I don't know that there's, there's a, a lot, lot of really good bud tenders mm-hmm. out there. I'm not saying that like we're organized, but there's so many dispensaries and you have a lot of you know, dispensary owners that they're there for the money. Like once Rec came in, it wasn't about like the medical or pleasing a patient or, you know, it's about the money, you know, and you, some people are that bold to just straight up say that to you. You know, I work with a fat dog farms uh, doing extractions in the fat pack and uh, we've had people like growers come and they're just like, well, what do you want to pay us? And uh, yeah, we don't care. We just want the most. And it's all about the money. And that was a really weird conversation to have. I'm just looking at the dude like, you're the exact kind of person I never want to work with, like exact person. And, yeah. you know, and, uh, you know, we basically patted him on the back and said, have a good day because it was just like, first of all, you can look at his weed and be like, you don't really know what you're doing. That's number one. And then the second, your attitude shows me why you don't know what you're doing because you can't harvest every single plant every two weeks. Right. <laughs> Their plants are very different. Yeah. So that's where you can see what's wrong. Like that's a little early and that's a little late. So uh, yeah, you know, so there's a lot of that going on and I feel in the industry. And once you like weed down the shops that aren't like that and the growers that aren't like that and the extractors that aren't like that, you get the real good quality. I'd like to talk about that if we can. Now you said you work with fat Fat, fat, dog pack, farm. fat dog farms. Yep. Yeah. Um, so being in that in deep like that with the farm and extracts, uh, you obviously say you run into shady stuff or sure. gray stuff and you're like, all right, pat you on the back, move on. But, uh, do you find it hard to protect yourself? I mean, having experience, like you said, you can check the flower, you can sure. see, you can do a lot of judgment stuff initially, but it just seems like there'd be people out there like vultures, man. Um, you know, yeah, think- trying to slip something in on you and, I always hope it's not that. Um, I mean, we've had a few things happen there uh, over through the lab when they're like, you're hoping to get this thing. But I'll say like my least favorite job is sourcing. Yeah. <laughs> like it's, it's not, it was just a side job. It wasn't supposed to be like a permanent thing. Um, but yeah, just because, I mean, you can look at it, it could smell good, it could look good, but you don't know what it's going to turn out to be. You know, you don't know if it's, is it going to turn, is it going to be beautiful yellow dabs or is it going to be dark because there's some other, the age may be on it or something that you're not seeing. I mean, my very first experience uh, with the farm and taking about a hundred pounds and I'm like, I need these two grades. And they're like, yeah, you're good. You know, I seen them put out some product with another extractor, looked really good. I was like, can can you give me product that is gonna come out with these grades? And he's like, yeah. 
well, I didn't know how to use metrics so good that first time. So, um, <laughs> so then I get it and we start running and it's like, mm, <clears throat> yeah, indoor or not, this does not look so good. So it was definitely, so then I'm learning, start researching and looking a little more into metric and figuring out how to click the right buttons. It's like a year old. And I'm like, wow, okay, well, that would be exactly why. So then it's my first intake. Ended up being a return of about a hundred pounds. <laughs> it was like, um, so that you know, there's definitely people that may not be a hundred percent fully honest, you know, and that goes in any industry, you know. Sure. So it's just kind of about finding the ones that are and mm. put, put it, you know. I think people that put everything forward. If I'm gonna like name drop somebody, we'll shout out Dirty Arm Farm, who like mm. you can go to his Instagram and he grows everything right there. Here's right. what I'm growing. Here it yeah. is. It's dang. It's bomb. Look at it. You like it? Okay. Now I'm gonna harvest it and I'm gonna blast it. Live resin. He, t- every step of the way is just right there. And to me, that you know, why isn't everybody doing that? Like, what what are people hiding to like? If you're a farm and you have the ability to put it into an extraction or work with the extractor to where you're showing every single part of the way, you know, from seed to sale, just like metric is, mm-hmm. then you're not, you know, you're not hiding anything, you know? No, no. And, and some of the truths that are pointed out, like on his IG, uh, are true. You know, you can, right. there's some, it can look really good. You can polish a turd. Yeah, exactly. I don't, and that's <laughs> some that integrity, up right man. It's all about the integrity. You know, <laughs> some people don't, it's about the money. You know, people come out with stuff that looks good and, I mean, I've definitely seen it. You know, I think when like the white stuff originally hit the market, um, I I honestly was not a big fan of it. And it looked weird. If we're going to be a little gross, it's going to look like semen in a cup. Um, That's pretty much (laughs) what it was. And everybody was like, $20 live resin, bro. And I'm just like, yeah, but it all tastes the same. Yeah. You know, and it was funny because I'm not going to mention that brand, but uh, (laughs) basically... I was like, this is going to change in about a month. The guy's going as low as he can to get into shops. And it did. He got into every shop almost. And then within 30 days, his price went up and his products changed a little bit, but Mm. the price went up and that's, it's a good, it's a good gimmick. You know, I think I'm I'm all about like cool little uh, social tactics or figuring out like, how do you do it? Um, If I'm going to go back to Dirty Arm and Bo's nose, that shit was epic with their two day meme battle to the release of, (laughs) of the rosin collab. And I mean, I, you know, I told Bo the same thing. I was like, dude, that shit was dope. It reminded me of like how rappers do mixtape battles against each other only to see them in the club partying the next week when they're releasing their albums. That's what's funny is like uh, these, these guys will set this stuff up and you don't know, you know, I'm sure I, I was even like, oh shit something's going down yeah i knew there was some <laughs> some up but i definitely can't say i pinpointed that happening i was just like why is nobody getting upset usually there's a point where when you're like tearing someone up and in, in reality like even if you like rap battle someone eventually you're gonna get a little bit pissed off in the midst of there and it'll it'll show yeah you know and it didn't look <laughs> like that i was like these guys are just going off on each other but it, it was well played i i really appreciated that as a social media person like just looking at it was like that was great and then you know it comes out with a quality product behind it it wasn't a gimmick product it right. wasn't it was just like here here's some fire ass shit that we like planned for you and are bringing it out and you know i, I thought it was done really well well, and they're two big powerhouses too. I mean, these guys are killing it in the hash rosin and the uh, BHO world. Can I get down and dirty with that and ask you your opinion? You know, this extracts, concentrates, it's trendy, man. Sure, sure. Trendy as hell. You know, we start out with shatter and yep. and all that, pulling snap, and then now we're, you know, diamond heavy. 
and applesauce. Uh, <laughs> What's your opinion? What's your personal opinion? Uh, my personal like preference. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not a huge diamond guy. I guess I should say I like I do like sugar waxes. I like um, like the applesauce or like you know like the more HTSFE kind mm-hmm. of consistency mm-hmm. where it's like thicker and able to get on a dab rig and put it in. That's kind of my preferred. Um, but I don't know. It's to me, I get a little bit into the. It's like processed food. You know, like how much do you want someone to process it? Right. You know, that's kind of, that's why I'm not like diamonds are like the high isn't that great for me is what I feel like. And it's just, you're to keep, you're just processing it more and more and more and more. And it's kind of like, sure. And I feel like, you know, if it's really diamond heavy, I feel like you still have to crush it up and kind of mix it into like a sugar anyway, if you wanted to have it, you know. And then if you're like going to talk about potentially like the CRC tech, I mean, you're looking at someone like, like Bo's Nose and Dirty Arms who gets a quality herb product and then puts it into rosin where you're right. There's no filters there. <laughs> right. It tastes great. And everything seems all right. It's clean. It's good. So what's, you know, what is the real point aside from the aesthetic look? I do understand that. Like you can make it look cool. Now we do have these white creamy butter, you know, yeah. butter spread looking things, yeah. you know, and that's awesome. And that seems to be the only thing left now to do. Like you can't get higher. You're not going to get, you know, mm. you can process it more, but you're not getting higher necessarily. You can go to isolate but then you're taking away all the terpenes. I was so going to say, it, there's a lot of... Yeah, I mean, that's... too clean. <laughs> not, I wouldn't even say clean. It's just, it's more processed. So yeah. now you're like, it's like a bump of THC. Yeah, man. Oh, yeah, shit, I'm high. Okay, wait, let's do that again. Like, who the... <laughs> well who, said. Who the fuck wants to do that? Like, you know, to me, like, just anything good with a good amount of terpenes in it, you're going to have a more extended high. Yeah. That's kind of what I feel. It's just the same as if you, like, made an edible with distillate it's a certain kind of like flatlined high. Whereas if you make an edible with cannabis butter made from like hash or keef, I feel you're going to have an extended high. It's going to be a little more well-rounded. And that was, that's just based on my experience. Like, no, I, I totally agree with that. I, in fact, I use that strategically. Like if I'm out golfing or something, you know, I'll, yeah. uh, you know, I'll definitely do an isolate or a, a distillate type edible. But yeah, if I want to kick some pain down and get really lethargic and have a long high and heavy high, that's right. definitely the full spectrum butters and oils and uh, plant material. Yeah. But uh, do you like the hash rosin though? I mean, is that? Oh uh, yeah, I'm a big fan of it. Yeah. I mean, I like, I guess I should say I like the live rosin. That's okay. kind of where my head's at um, as far as like flavor and full I mean, I, I think back in the days when they were people were bringing rosin to the table, like they were trying to make the shatter, and it just tasted like bubble hash. And at the end of the day, yeah, you know, it mm-hmm. was, and that was cool. I like bubble hash, but it wasn't like now we have BHO and it really grabs the fla- the flavor of the flower. Yeah. So now you know, once I tried some live rosin, it was like, oh shit, like damn, you know, can't necessarily afford it every day because it's, <sighs> it's up there. But you get Man. the low. I understand you get the lower yields. You yeah. know, it's it's all it's a different process, it's a multifaceted process because you got to. Uh, wash it first and then you got to press it or if you're doing jar tech then you're pressing it and curing it in jars so labor intensive yeah it's labor intensive and you're not getting like huge yields like bho you can push into the 20 percentile like where you're fucking you know dumping out pounds of oil yeah um where it doesn't seem like that with rosin i think what max is like 10 percent or something like mm. that if you're lucky right, <laughs> right. yeah it's, it's that's yeah that's i mean that's why the price man you know labor and yeah sure. and the volume but uh, what you now? What is fat dog? What do they concentrate on in terms of? You guys do mostly BHO, right? That's yeah, we're we're BHO. currently 100% BHO, mm-hmm. and um, I think I've kind of formulated it so we're just more on the uh, 
what would be the word, uh, quantity, quality at the good price. So we're definitely trying to be like the best guy on the lower end. You know, we're not doing the diamonds. We're not doing all that. We're, we're, we're more for the people. It's always been a working man's product. That's why it's yeah. 1.2 grams, you know. I've always liked that though, yeah. man. And I've, I've it's promoted the hookup. <laughs> yeah, well, I've promoted that in the past, dude. That extra 0.2 makes up for a lot, man. Sure. Makes yeah. up for some evaporation or, right. uh, you know, some. It's an extra dab for a, <laughs> for a glob head, yeah. you know. It's, it's two for a regular person. In, you know, and it's value. Exactly. You know, you got some value there. So, so that's, that's the word I guess I was looking for. We're, we're trying to be like the best quality value product. Cause there's a lot of, you got four or $5 grams wholesale going to dispensaries. which comes out at eight and $10, but you're looking at like <laughs> the quality is just plummeting yeah. at a lot of those, yeah. you know, you're looking at non-strain specific. You're looking at, you know, it's such a, a, a repeated method that it, they don't let like, each strain is a little different. Sure. So each strain may not cook off at the same temperature, may not cook off at the same time. You know, and if you're just keep repeating, it goes back to the guy that says every two weeks I'm going to harvest. Right. It's the same thing there. Then you're going to put out a product that may not taste ideal. And then do you have the integrity? Are you, you have the integrity? Are you tasting your product? You know, are you, are you making sure it doesn't taste like sulfur? Are you making sure it doesn't taste like burnt nose hairs? And well, some has that kind of weird vinegar bite to it or something. Yeah, I it's, mean, I, I don't know. It's Dirty's brought it up before. Jamie's brought it up before about how it's got that lingering, some sort of tangy smell to it. You shouldn't have no. that. There shouldn't be anything besides, like, if the strain is kind of weird, then then cool, by all means. And that's what the dab is going to turn out to be like. You know, if it's a spicy strain, it's going to be a spicy dab. But there's, I don't feel any reason for a company to put out anything that has, you know, that it's going to be bad for the customer. Yeah. You know, because if it's tasting weird like that, then what it's not it's not good for your brand. Number one. Number two. I mean, why? Why is it tasting like that? It's I it mean, there's something wrong. Sure. You know what I mean? I don't know. Dabs can't I don't think go sour. That means something you put in the in the plant, like we maybe sprayed something and it could be all organic or natural that you spray, but you sprayed it way too late. You know, and now you're concentrating what you sprayed for people to consume, which then you get into more, uh, that's a dangerous region that isn't. And, and most of the time, that's when people be like, it's all organic. And then they fail a test and you're like, yeah, you sprayed it two weeks before you harvested it. Yeah. Sorry. You know? I often wonder if maybe uh, rosin is uh, better. I mean, not that you wouldn't still get a transfer of whatever chemical or poison in there, but it seems like solvents would kind of pull more out of the plant than it would if you were just, you know, processing uh, it like rosin um i mean yes yes and no because with the butane you know the closed loop system you're gonna have more filters than rosin so i mean you're, you're concentrating it the same i feel i see you know but one of them has a filter yeah so one of them does pull waxes fats lipids gotcha. which would be your bho and rosin doesn't you know and then you like i was saying with crc it's like now you're taking even more of those away more chlorophyll more of more things out of it but is that really necessary? You know, because if live rosin is delicious and it's not bad for you, as long as the grower did their trick, you know what I mean? Then it shouldn't, you shouldn't need to do all those other steps aside from making it look cool. No, but to get that level of like a bow's nose or a happy cabbage, you really have to know what the hell you're doing all this. I mean, every step, temp, pressure, yeah, yeah. product. I mean, like, doesn't Bo go out to the fields and he, like, he does. I mean, dude, that's legit. And that's where it's straight out starts. to the field. He's looking at the plant when it's alive. Uh, you know, that's. And I'm pretty sure there's a big conversation of like, what do you spray? When do you do that? Because that's 
that's like that's what we do. You know, I'm like, okay, send me an email of of your protocol. What's your what's your IPM? You know, what's your insect pest management? Do you do you have bugs? Are we gonna be you know are we gonna be blasting and concentrating aphid? Fucking guts. You oh, know? God. Don't do, I'm <laughs> we sure can talk that, about aphids this year. The uh, hemp, the dude, were you in talent in. when, in, I mean, it was like September, October and talent. You couldn't walk outside <laughs> so without, bad. I mean, it was just a cloud. It was it, bad. I, I harvested uh, about three and a half acres of hemp. I helped my buddies manage a facility for that out in the White City area. And, oh, man, like, I thought it was just them. And then I went to, like, a bunch of other ones and everybody just, it Bad. was everywhere. Well, when it came from the field, they were alive. <laughs> <laughs> so I had literally my whole shirt looked at my shirt, and I'm like, "What the fuck is that?" And they're moving. Your chest is moving. <laughs> and you're just like, <laughs> "Your shirt's moving." This is <laughs> ah, he's freaking out and shit. Um, but you know, it is what it is. It's natural. I mean, that means they didn't spray anything. I mean, yeah, if we're gonna well, look at the benefit it, of that. <laughs> I don't think that many people were prepared. Uh, the ODA put out that warning early in the season, but. We weren't prepared for the level. And I think a lot of that was the hemp, you know, or just Definitely the, hemp. Yeah, just the, the the level of hemp in this county, I think, contributed to that sure. huge. I mean, huge. think about how much it would cost them if they tried to do like a natural insect pest management on, let's say, 100 acres. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like it's already yeah. like with rec, you get, you know, your what your full acre. And that's probably pretty expensive to, you know, spray with some good quality stuff and, or and to put the amount of ladybugs and or predator predator mites or whatever you're going to put out there at that magnitude. A few billion. Yeah, you know, <laughs> your, your prices are going to be up. So now you're talking, you know, 10 acres, 100 acres. Know, like yeah. Most people aren't digging in their pockets for that. You know, the value of hemp isn't that. It's a great commodity right now, but it's not that high to where they're going to dump it. So... It's kind of like keep all natural and that means keep the bugs around. And the funny thing I did see was like medical gardens, there's very few of them now, but once these hemp started getting harvested, where did the aphids go? I, I watched a, a whole crop that literally had almost nothing on it. And a week after everybody was harvesting in the area, there was, I would say tens of thousands of aphids. Well, are also yeah. Their shit. I was hear- so bad. I hear that's how they work, though. If they get knocked off the plant or if they, they don't, the food source goes away, a.k.a. the harvesting, they'll turn into flyers and they're out. They're out and they'll drop on someone else's shit. Yeah, they're going so to they're they're sniff it out or oh, whatever yeah. the aphids do. They're going to look for the, the resin or whatever they're going for and well, since congregate. You see, since you see so much flour and concentrate, how, much, how, much, how many aphids do you think are out there on the shelf? Oh, shit. <laughs> we, we gonna tr- <laughs> Let, let's hope not. Um, what do you mean, let's hope not? Let's hope not. You can't tell me there's not an aphid or two on the shelf. <laughs> well, I smoke a lot of indoor, so there shouldn't be aphids on that. Um, good point. Good point. Um, not saying don't smoke outdoor. Let's just hope that the rec growers have done something about it. I mean, you, you can. If you have your stuff in place, then it shouldn't affect you as bad. And, yeah. Um, I, I think I think I, like Benson brought it this year. I know they had a huge loss on the freezing and stuff, but I think they brought some good indoor or outdoor. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. I don't. I never got. I didn't get a good his facility this year. Um, but the ones I have been, I didn't see as much as like medical or hemp. No, nowhere near that the facilities I did. But I'm sure it's out there, and I'm sure some of it will. We'll go to extracts. It goes back to the integrity, um, you know. You know. But if we, if it's like if we were to get that and they bring us a whole bin, oh, it's all nugs. It's a great price, and then it's like, yeah, but it's coated in aphids. Like, um, uh, I'm good. A little aphid flavor in there. Do, 
Well, they do poop, I imagine. I'm sure they do, which probably doesn't help with the mold. I mean, no, you know, no, I hear it doesn't. Yeah, that's uh, kind of <laughs> cause of a lot of it. Uh, what do you think about next year? You think these things can get worse? I mean, it's. Uh, I can see it's next year being thick, man. It's kind of inevitable for it to happen <laughs> like that. Um, yeah, I mean, you're looking at you know hundreds of acre of hemp this year. If uh, the new laws don't like push people away from continuing or from expanding, you're definitely going to see. But I mean, the hemp game right now is definitely, I feel like the medical game, you know, there's not as much regulation. They're slowly starting to build the rules and you're going to have all the same complainers that when we turn to wreck, Oh damn, it's wreck. You're taking my weight, taking it. No, we all had, it's a gold rush, man. You get to make your money and then now you got to play, play the game. If you want to do that, do that. If not, you go hide under a rock and and grow your 12 plants. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, But yeah, the hemp thing is basically they're going to set the damn regulations eventually. You know, it's going to sit and it's probably going to be sooner than we think. And then you're going to have all these people that have invested a lot of money and hoping to make quick buck. Well, that's just not realistic in any world. You know, it's if if it comes that quick, it can go that quick. That's basically that's just with any industry. You Mm. know, if it's if you're making fast money, fast money goes fast. It's, you know, oh, yeah, if you get it, it's going to be gone. Whereas if you work harder for it and you really mount and build a brand and put out quality product, you're going to keep going. You know, you're going to, the people that are, you know, happy cabbage, they, they took the time, they got the fire indoor, blasted their entire crop. You know, they're growing specific strains all their own and don't put anything to the market. Right. And they wash it and put it all in dabs. <laughs> but that's, that's good. But it's the, the I integrity mean, so behind there. And that's a quality product. And now they yeah. built that brand to the point where they can intake other people that want to get on that page. Like, okay, that's nice. You know, now you want to work with us? Cool. You have to do what we do. But you guys have some sort of SOP when you get the intake, right? Like yeah, you have correct. some sort of. And we've dialed that in, I think, over the year. I mean, definitely in the beginning, it was like find the people that do grow all organic, all natural. Um, financially, like give them what they want. Well, that doesn't work with the (laughs) dramatic price drop. (laughs) And if you're trying to give like a discounted product, you can't pay people top dollars for their, their nugs that you're turning into a, you know, a lower priced product, even if it is really good. You just, there's kind of a cap there at that point. So I don't know how the business side of it works. Do you have contracts with people or do you just kind of take it as a um, when you it's available. should have yeah. contracts. I mean, if you don't, it definitely can get a little weird. And it's surprisingly surprising how uh, how much you still see things that do happen in like on the black market. Somebody will pull some slick shit and you'll be like, whoa, I didn't know that was possible here in this game. But I've definitely heard some stories of people, you know, giving out 100 pounds and then they get like a five thousand dollar check and they're like, yeah, we're done here. Wow. <laughs> and you're just like. This is a payment, right? And you're like, no, no, we're good, right? Well, because we changed company hands, and those guys maybe promised you some, but we didn't. So, oh, so now wow. we're done here. Wow. And like, like I said, we haven't experienced anything like that, but I've heard stories when I talk to people, and you know, it's it's about you know trying to to keep up with the game. You know, no, nobody's perfect, but as long as you're trying to make the payments, stick to your agreements, that that's how it should be. You know, you should be able to shake hands and move forward, but. You shouldn't. You should have a contract. <laughs> you should have a contract <laughs> in general. But yeah, um, so now we have the farm. Like on our side, we have the farms we know are going to give us the prices that we can deal with and they're going to give us the quality that we can deal with and they're going to keep it coming. And that's, that's you know, good. Makes it a little smoother for us, you know, on our side. 
what do you find that more outdoor i mean do you get a lot of indoor that comes in for no, extracts or is it a, a lot of the indoor guys uh, especially the really good ones yeah. have smaller facilities right so then you're looking at smaller batches or you're forced to blend batches yeah um and then also a lot of those guys have like as soon as they got on board linked up with like a white label or sure uh you know who else is uh, like maybe a Echo, mm-hmm. I think Echo has a couple indoor people. Okay. You know, so they already got in there and it's such a small thing. They're like, okay, when we harvest everything, we're just going to give it to you. You can blend it how you want to. And I think the blend thing, like we try not to do that just because um, as a, I know as a consumer, you want to know the high. You want to know, mm-hmm. like, oh, I, oh, it's, you know, it's purple Hindu Kush. I know that's going to taste like licorice and I know it's going to be, you know, sedative and indica right. dominant or it's sour diesel. It's going to taste gassy and it's going to be uplifting and may give me anxiety if I can't deal with it today. Um, but when you start blending, you're starting to give the customer like crapshoot. You know, this is <laughs> the ro- Russian roulette of dabs. Like, you oh, can't okay. count on nothing. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we have, um, I do what it's called like terp matching, you know, so you get a hybrid and a hybrid and the flavors coincide together to create something really good. Um, like we did a master skunk and a forbidden fruit. You know, just, uh, you know, forbidden skunk is what we called it. Sounds and, good. And the yeah. master skunk was like a very light, smooth flavor. Um, shout out Applegate River Roots. And the forbidden fr- uh, fruit is just super dominant tart. You know, super like tangy, you know, sure. fruity. Yeah. And it just took over. So people really enjoyed that one. And the highs weren't like battling each other in any sense. So and we've done that with a couple couple strains if we have to, just because we want to work with the farm and the batches are like there. And we're trying to get the bigger your batch, the the more profit you're obviously making. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, so yeah. And smaller batches probably cost more overall. Yeah, uh, testing um, to most labs for extracts about mm. 500 bucks if you're doing solvents with yeah. solvents. Um, wow. Because you got, you got to do two testing. So you got two full compliance testings for each one I batch. So that's why the size of the batch really matters. Originally, we had a three and a half pound case study which a case study for anybody that doesn't know is basically where you you send in uh, about an ounce worth of samples or more and they test them all for the congruency and make sure that your product is going to all come out, you know, the same. So it's all within a percentage or two for THC, et cetera, et cetera. So now we have eight and a half pound. So we can do a lot more. But when we had the three and a half pounds, say we do intake something that's like really good and it yields, which we had like 23%, dump some delicious wedding cake. Shout out treetop. <laughs> um, Wedding cake. Well, if it was good. <laughs> yeah, no, it was delicious. Um, but because we got over six pounds of it, we had to test it two times. So now you went from a you know $500 test to a $1,000 test, and it's the same batch technically. And then on top of that, the excess, which we had about quarter pound to half pound, what are you going to do with that? You're not going to go spend 500 dollars to go test a quarter pound of no. dabs basically oh, man. so that's where the case study really came like we had to up it and now we're we're ready for any size batch basically and can you know do that with one testing gotcha yeah that makes sense i didn't even know any of that now you do <laughs> i do now i can have my personal stuff tested yeah. no it's not worth that anymore back <laughs> back in the days it was like you could test anything it was like a hundred bucks in medical right. days and it was just like <laughs> now do they bring coas in for you is that how you know like if it's gonna pass i mean how do you know that's just gonna no pass? because a flower can pass all day and as soon as it's, it's concentrated yeah it could be so fucked. is that part of crapshoot 
Is that part where you have to find farms that are? Um, well, that's where you, I mean, yeah, you did integrity. Um. <laughs> because if you don't, I mean, it seems like you could just lose a whole batch. Just be like, fuck. We've only had that happen once, um, which was basically the we we didn't R and D them because they were on the market, um, and luckily they, the the individuals did call us before we like started testing it, but we'd already processed like. 60 pounds of their material and then they call us hey so-and-so had a you know had a little pop and we're just like what do you mean <laughs> yeah like, what do you mean what do you mean a pop like you guys what does that mean so much good stuff so that was like the only incident we've had and that was you know a mistake on their end using an outsourced person for their ipm even though what they sprayed was definitely all organic and everything when you outsource people in in, in that manner um you're adding a variable you know, and for me, it's like, just get rid of as many variables as possible. And if you're sure. doing it yourself, you know, then, you know, who fucked up is you, <laughs> you know, it's like sure. taking responsibility is the, and that's the best way. Cause then, you know, you can take responsibility and maybe you got to take a little more time and effort to do it, but then you don't lose, you know, hundreds of pounds of material to, to having a shitty situation. Sure. Well, man, it sounds like you got a really well knowledge. I mean, well-rounded knowledge of both, not only the culture but shit business side man so man what is the future like for bud tender society is this something that's going to continue and grow yeah i definitely uh definitely got some ideas we're trying to revive i should say the youtube um because we like to bring a full production situation not just like your average sit down and weed reviews i definitely tried that on there and that's cool to have but i want to bring just more like you're clicking it and turning on the tv because a lot of people use youtube for their TV. Oh man, anymore. Now. It's getting to be it's a Hulu's damn. and yeah. Netflix and YouTube. Like YouTube. I don't, I do everything on YouTube when I'm driving around. I can I'll listen to my music. I can listen to a podcast. I don't go to a podcast thing. I just do everything on YouTube. Yeah. It's all in the same thing. So uh, I definitely want to, we're going to get that going again. And then we uh, do have some people in the works to relaunch the website for the clothing. Um, the, nice. cl the clothing definitely was kind of like my thing once I hit 10,000 likes and followers on Facebook and Instagram, I was like, let's put out some t-shirts and got a really good response from it. And then kept, it just kept going. I mean, we yeah. don't have very many in stock. It just hasn't been the top priority because of yeah. the rec market. We took two years to get licensed in. And that kind of was like a bog down of like, okay, this is crunch time. We need to, you know, get this license for the extraction. Thing, and then we need to get in the market. Well, the market changed after two years. So then you got to, you know, fluctuate your prices and, and get it kind of rolling again. And now I think we got a pretty good, we got about 40, 50 solid stores that were in all around Oregon from nice, Portland, man. Bend, uh, yeah. the coast and Southern Oregon. And everything's housed down here. Like you don't have distribution up in Portland. No, you we run don't. Up there. Yep, I do all the driving. Wow. Um, I do all the sourcing. Yeah. Um, even a little packaging and stuff here, here and there. Uh, but that's just currently. Mm -hmm. You know, eventually we'll have other drivers doing stuff. But yeah, I just I was saying that because it's uh, it's a you know I five. It's a long long way up there and long way back. <laughs> yeah, I five is not so bad. Uh, or I mean, you apparently can cross Oregon that way in about you know five, five hours. hours. Not yeah. so bad, but yeah. you go to places like Huntington and you're looking at yourself an 18, 20 hour day. You know, yeah. that's a long drive. And there's shit out there. There's nothing out there on the way. It's one place. <laughs> there's well, yeah, there's a couple now. Ontario just opened right right on the border and they have about uh, three or four that I bet they in do there. well if they're on the border it's insane <laughs> uh, i'm pretty sure if you look at the stats um they're some of the top grossing dispensaries wow. over there for sure yeah um big a lot of people <laughs> well we really hope you get your youtube back up i i remember 
couple of years ago going through all your videos and watching them and stuff and you know all the editing is really good and everything it's it's nice stuff i hope to see it again yeah definitely looking to kind of bring some of the formats that we had in there because it was based on like shows like that was if you if you do go to the channel you can still see how a lot of them were formatted into like a show style you know we had art and weed wednesday so then it was like every wednesday you can kind of talk about art and weed and that was uh, with my wife and then we had like a science one uh, with jason from curious about cannabis um and uh flicks and stems with slap happy media and that was uh weed reviews you know you talk about the flicks and you smoke it to the stems you know so basically yeah that's you got some good yeah that one, and that one was his that, that that's all about that that's that, awesome yeah no that was a great one and it was just we wanted to keep that going you know obviously everybody that was involved life happens you got to keep working to make your money yeah man and it costs money to do those videos yeah. and I, I did the experiments of just putting out the regular stoner shit and it, it, it was cool but that's not that's not what the bud tender society like video was about that's my instagram and that's right. cool but right for youtube i wanted it to be different content so now it, on youtube that's bud tender society yep okay everything so, should be at the Bud Tender Society. The Bud Tender Society. Um, the only okay. thing that's not would be Twitter, which is at MJ Tender Society. Okay. Or MJ Tender. It was already taken. It's too long. They only oh. allow you so. They only allow you so many. So I was trying to figure out. It's not how relatable. To make it fit. Yeah. You had a you had a person on here asking about your YouTube channel, so I just want to make sure that was clear oh, yeah. for him. Um, but so yeah, at the Bud Tender Society, it seems like across the board. You said you had a Facebook too. Yeah, I mean, if you go to Google and type in the Bud Tender Society, you'll have pages, Get it all. pages to go through. Um, but the top ones should be um, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and uh, YouTube for sure. I mean, I got a weed, weed tube as well, but I haven't posted that much on there. Just some of the repeated stuff from YouTube. Do you find YouTube works okay with cannabis? Um, I haven't been shut down yet. Um, I know that like... They won't let you advertise with them. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, well, I tried for my website and they won't let me. Oh, like advertise it, your channel well, or advertise you, their, monetization. On yeah, that. monetize with them. They won't you do with can. cannabis. You can. I did. No, I did. did they? they definitely, um, they kind of pick and choose, which sometimes didn't make any sense. Yeah. Like the, they pick a video that doesn't have, there's no weed in this video, but you got this <laughs> other video I got and it's, it's monetized. Yeah. So it seems like they pick and choose. I mean, I see. Uh, Custom Grow 420, who has like over a million subscribers on YouTube. He's rocking. Yeah, he's been crushing it. He got shut down and they revived him and as well as a bunch of other guys in the cannabis cool. community. So I think the more we push towards legalization, the more availability is, is there for people to kind of enjoy being in that culture. And then like the weed tube, I, I mean, they definitely opened that gate, which is, I believe they are partnered kind of with YouTube because they run YouTube like ads, which you can be, it's all cannabis ads. So like when you're watching theirs, it's not like some bum ass commercial that <laughs> watching like, a Charmin commercial. Yeah. Then all of a sudden you're like, this is the nude Puffco. And uh, yeah. You're yeah. just like, Oh, that's kind of cool. Right. right, right. <laughs> it know? actually works. Yeah. Right. So, and they're actually sending out checks to the people that use their, their site. And so I think it's a cool thing to start seeing that stuff come to fruition for those guys. And they're not having it easy. I know they did, I think, get kicked off of like iTunes or Amazon or one of the one of the sites they were downloading on and, you know, trying to trying to keep it going so they can be on iPhones and Androids. And, you know, there's going to be some fights in anything there was with alcohol. So. <laughs> It's they ain't going to make it easy for weed. No, no. And I, you know, even if federally we can grow four plants or something when it goes legal, it's, 
you know, the cities, counties, they might not let you grow anyway. Yeah, eventually. It's just like, wait, what? <laughs> so, <laughs> what I'm what I'm waiting for is once they do like federally legalize, I think there's gonna be states that for Oregon and certain places that are already rooted, it's gonna be great, but they're not gonna allow any of the production there. You know, I think, no, I think right. there's gonna be states that are like, yeah, you can have wheat here. Mm-hmm. Yep. But you can't grow it. And you right. can't extract it. Right. And we just don't want that here. Right. Which, right. which sucks for the people that are, you know, into that culture in those areas. But it doesn't suck for places like Oregon and California that have a huge culture that's been built for like the last 10 years. Right. And people know what they're doing and they can do it at scale. So now they can, you know, it, it'll be good, I feel, because then you can you're not like forced to battle within the state. I mean, Oregon has what? One to two million people. Something, not big. Something not, I mean, it's not big. Not that many people. I think New York has more people in the city than we do. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. So basically, <laughs> you got, you know, what, four to 600 dispensaries for two million people or something crazy. Yeah. You know, whereas the ability for growers to sell to places that have more people and less product would be the, you know, the ideal situation. I think we've already been moving in that direction recently with bills being passed to interstate commerce. Yeah, do you commerce. think that, like, for you guys, do you guys have any kind of ideas or plans to ramp up for national legalization? Or do you, you know, that's too um, too far away yet? I'm definitely not going to, like, what are the count the count the chickens for the eggs yeah, hatch or whatever yeah. the hell that's saying. <laughs> count the cows before the milk is made or whatever. Yeah, that too. <laughs> you know what I mean. Um, yeah. I, I, I want to see it done and then done all the way because I mean they've already passed a bill like we got yeah. interstate commerce and everybody's happy and on Facebook right. and it's like Right. But you can't do it yet. Right. <laughs> right. Like, just wait. So I mean once they do it I think it's going to be like a scramble to see who can who can actually like get there. I mean, that's what happened with rec. Like when they, when they put in the new, the new testing laws and they put the $10,000 test that you had to do just to play the game with the new Orlap testing, there was like six extractors on the game in the game. At, right. When rec started, once the full clip, like clip, okay, we're starting over now and you have to have this. And the only people that really had that were like some of the bigger companies and the people that kind of like dropped back a little bit and then went and spent their money. Right. You know, yeah. which was super smart and they had probably had lawyers and they kind of got ahead of the game. But the consumer got fucked at that point because at that point it was like fifty, sixty dollars a gram for shatters. Like <laughs> Jeez, it was brutal. It was, it was way up there. Like yeah. when we we were like the sixth, I think, company and we came in, we're like, Okay, we're forty. And everybody was like super excited. And we're yeah. like even though we did have we raised our price from what was a more like, you know, simple, easy, valuable valued product for the consumer it was like well we got to pay ten thousand dollars for a test now and that was just the initial one now i think uh it's about it's about half that you know one yeah. more because that was the case study back then when the case study wow. first started it was way up there and i think i had a buddy that had a thirteen thousand dollar one i've seen people fail twelve thousand dollar ones by like point zero one ppms oh, of an man. organic compound and I think that's caused some controversy at that time. I think people are getting pissed about that shit though, right? Yeah, I but mean, then don't fail. Like that's, right. that, that, I, I feel it. I mean, like it was a pain in the butt for us. We had to wait, like literally we waited a month and then we're like, hey lab, what's going on? They're like, well, actually we don't have anybody here that can read these tests. Yeah. <laughs> so they're like, were well, you going to call us and tell us that <laughs> nobody can do their job over there? And then eventually they passed it off and then OLCC says the same thing. So another half a month later, they're like, Oh, yeah, we don't have anybody on staff that can read what they couldn't read. 
Uh, you're like, all right, well, um, so when were you guys going to communicate this so that we can know when we can sell our product? Yeah. And it took all that for one strain because it had to only be one strain. So we had to wait almost two months for that one strain to get back in there. And then once we were in there, it was it was a pretty cool situation because it hadn't gone over to where you had to have your license yet. So we were still good. And we had the medical license or whatever they were offering at the time that nobody ever got. You just had to sign up and pay them money, <laughs> which uh, compared to that, the rec was actually, they were very nice people to work with OLCC. I feel, I don't, I don't, you know, some people complain about it, but I've had good, I did, good experiences. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, it seems like too, as long as you're trying to do the right thing, they'll yeah. try to work with you. Exactly. You know, I mean, but if you're just a douchebag and yeah, if you're doing a bunch of dumb shit, then they're going to probably come <laughs> at you. And I, I mean, there's, if you're using your medical card to like sell to everybody in town, you know, I, yeah, <laughs> I mean, there's going to be repercussions for anything. And if you, you think that it's not going to happen to you, usually it's when it starts to happen to you. Well, so. I see OLCC. They're going to start pulling licenses now. People don't think, you know, people think it's just a simple little uh, food handler type license. And, you know, they'll think that until they get them pulled. Right. And you'll never be in the industry again. Are you talking about like their handler's permit? Oh, yeah. License? Yeah, the OLCC, just handler card, just the regular sure. for bud tender. Yeah, they'll pull those. I see it happening. Yeah. Bud tenders fuck shit up and they're going to start pulling cards. And so it's like, mm, yeah, you're not qualified. <laughs> well, or, or you do something illegal. There's, I've. Sure. recently had a couple things come up that I've seen people do that are, these are investigations and I'm not talking dispensaries. I'm talking investigations on bud tenders. Whoa. Yeah. And I, you know, what are they going to do if there's, if they're going to punish these bud tenders, is it going to be a fine? Like they do the dispensaries or is it, are they going to pull cards? Yeah. I don't know if they could find them cause they're not a business. So exactly. Like so they're going to pull cards. They're going to yeah. be like, well, fine. We're just going to not license you anymore. And you, you know, cannot tend to the bud. You any cannot longer. tend to <laughs> store bud. <laughs> well, anyway, some, we'll see. Sometimes that might be a good thing. I mean, there's definitely suspect. I mean, I haven't seen it too much recently, but I definitely know medical when people were making their own slabs and you go to shops and they'd be like, put their hands on the slab like this is what i made oh man that was like, brutal that's gross dude yeah. you sure you don't want to buy my clean packaged product like right. you got fingerprints and a little bit of weed debris on your was slab that a dog there. hair is that a dog hair right oh, good there god man <laughs> let's hope it's a did dog. you make that in the kitchen i made it back there <laughs> just like great your oh, customers man. probably love you <laughs> well we appreciate you coming on brother uh, yeah, I know. Appreciate being here. Uh, we are down to about an hour now. Yeah, um, definitely. Um, hit me up. Instagram is the best way. Uh, the Bud Tender Society. Um, if you do want to check out our clothing, just send a DM. That's like the easiest way. I've had a whole website and honestly had way more sales in the DM. So it goes down in the DM. Yeah. Um, that, and you'll know if you're, uh, you know, if you're popular enough to get them to respond to you. <laughs> Yeah, I've I've had some. I mean, when it, when it comes to that, I've had some actually really cool people respond yeah. and like follow back. And cool. Ever since I've worked on social media, it's not as hard. Like people are people. Like yeah. I, I tend to reach out to like rappers or mm -hmm. influencers that are outside of the cannabis producers or people that have a little bit of the name, and you end up talking to some pretty damn cool people. I mean, I've talked to E Forty. Uh, I've talked to like Pitbull's manager and other people that are like super popular now. Mm -hmm. they, they were they were starting. It was kind of their startup when I did originally contact yeah. them. But yeah. even now, like, you know, I don't know if you know who Scott Storch is, but these are just an email away. He's uh, Dr. Dre's protege. Oh, OK. So he's like they call him the piano man. He's uh, done production for endless amounts of people in the hip hop industry. And also he's kind of in cannabis in his own way. Uh, I know he pushes raw papers a lot. Um, the cocoa nugs, things of that nature, more like anything you can ship 
so not direct cannabis, but yeah. you know, cannabis related items that you could ship anywhere. Which those cocoa nugs were those the chocolate ones? Yeah, they're the ones Dude, that those were legit. Yeah, they taste really good, and they look just like weed. Have you seen them? They do chocolate pieces, just cho- they're not chunks, but just chocolate like balls or something. But the outside of them is coated in a way that they're like a nug mold. Basically. Yeah, like but it looks just like you have it in a jar and it looks like weed. Yeah. And the they have them at Fireside. They have about 10 different varieties over there. They're good, man. Yeah, but yeah, I... Legit chocolate. Yeah, they're really good, <laughs> you know, for sure. Um, but that's, I think that's definitely the way to go. Like if you're, you know, obviously getting a license and selling cannabis is one way. But when you're talking about like being an enthusiast, do I want to go get an OLC license and run a cannabis business in this? No. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> I'm doing about as much as I want to do right now. Whereas shirts I can send internationally. I can send anywhere. Um, you know, you can't, can't stop me from, you can't well, stop me from I really, sending my shirts. Right. And I really think I, it, I see bud tender society being a worldwide thing. I, you know, it's, you're not branded to anything specific Exactly. and you know, bud tender position at some point, maybe not for 50 years, but at some point it's going to be a worldwide job. I imagine. Yeah, I mean, it's already definitely a nationwide job. Definitely nationwide, but I mean, Europe's coming on board, you know, Israel. um, You know, there's a lot of countries coming on board uh, with cannabis. I I think the opportunity behind the the clothing, as long as we can keep up with the demand and then be able to expand. And that's kind of what, for me, the next thing is, is not just T-shirts. You're looking at like like sports style wear, like track suits, um, collared shirts, because there's a lot of dispensaries that kind of, uh, require them to like dress a little bit nicer or they're trying to have that feel and why not like you don't gotta wear a polo you can wear a butt tender society one yeah you, you know got the nice stitching yeah. and a couple extra little i ain't gonna talk about what the designs yeah, are don't but, give a uh, don't give the i'm not gonna secrets. give everything but uh no i just you know the the concept behind it is have little things that pop you know maybe i mean there's shoes in other companies that have like stash spots on their shirts or in their hats and stuff like that so we may not go that drastic but definitely something that has that extra stoner kind of pop without it being like the droopy face stoner and that's kind of the brand like none of my clothes are gonna be like the red-eyed like you know drooling drooling characters that, that are usually associated with cannabis when you look at like a pot i mean look at my cookie. Right. Yeah. You got a drooling cookie. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> um, like no, it. it's dope, but that wasn't our. We want people to be able to wear ours in college or, you know, going to sure. going to a convention yeah. and not necessarily. We want people to, nece- to, to think like we. Like we, a bud tender with class, man. Something like that. I wouldn't even call it necessarily class. It just is just not like in your face, like, oh, you're a pothead. Right. It's more like, oh, what is that? Yeah. You know, we have one that says high since 27, 27 BC. And that makes you think, and you're gonna get on your phone. You're gonna Google. What That's the, true, man. What the fuck is that? And it was right it was the, the show. first. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you, it was the first like a documented use of medical cannabis in like China. Ah, uh-huh. like documented. Obviously, there was like really, really old ones that I was like, twenty seven, twenty seven was just a cool ass date first of all and it was the one that popped up the most like i can start going jesus probably smoked weed but we're not gonna i don't i can't prove that so (laughs) um you know i mean turned water to wine i'm sure he turned grass to grass that's what i'm talking about (laughs) he anointed you with the flower you can't tell me he didn't he had oils and everything no (laughs) um but yeah so that's kind of the concept behind the clothing is just a little bit more of a you know not what i I don't want to use the word classy but just different and clean clean crisp and like to the point and makes you think a little bit you know medicate appropriately 
people are like, well, what's that? It's like, well, you all have the choice of how you want to medicate. You know, you choose what's appropriate, but you know, in my concept, like a natural is going to be more appropriate, but it's also up to interpretation, you know? Yeah. So those yeah. are just a couple of them. Well, you know, they know how to get a hold of you and you want to check that gear out. I will. I'm gonna, we're going to have to have some gear in here, start sure. putting some gear up. But, uh, if you want to know about cannabis culture, especially Oregon, this is the guy to follow. This guy brings the hardcore content. We appreciate you coming on, brother. I really do. Yeah. Thanks a lot for having me. Um, and you're welcome back anytime. All right. Thanks. Thanks a lot, bud. Thank you.